I encourage everyone to take a moment and breathe and take a tea cheers with a Jiri tea. A Jiri tea recognizes the beauty in shared stories and shared opportunities. Ajiri sources award-winning tea from Kenya, employs women in the region to handcraft the labels, and sends 100% of the profits back to the region to support orphan education. Save 10% on your order of Kenyan teas and coffee with the code BEAUTIFULLYHUMAN at ajiritea.com. A-J-I-R-I-T.com. Tea mugs up! Hello, and welcome to the Beautifully Human podcast. I'm Nick Sheesby. In this podcast, I speak with beautiful humans from all around the world, sharing with you their incredible stories, revealing the power in every human story to spread love and humanity to a world that is in desperate need of it, to show that we can all connect in beautiful ways, no matter where we come from or what we look like. What you will find out is that we are all beautifully human. Let's all be beautifully human. All right. Today's beautiful human that I am chatting with is a good friend of mine, Evan Peary. And we get to talking about life as kids riding around town all over the place. We talk about music. We talk about coffee and adventures and travel all around the world. What a fun chat this was, man. Um, If you enjoy this podcast, follow us on Spotify, rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. It truly does help. I really appreciate that. Uh, Give us a follow on Instagram at The Beautifully Human Podcast. And most of all, enjoy this beautiful chat. And don't forget to leave those peace signs up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So... We've talked a lot about back in the day, but tell me, tell me about just your life, man. Growing up, where? Tell me all about that. I grew up in Howell, New Jersey, which is—I don't want to say it's a small town, but it's—it's it's a reasonably sized town in Monmouth County, in New Jersey, not too far from the beach. So, um. I think the th- the interesting thing to correlate to our current life and where we live in Nashville is I truly miss that feeling of being near the ocean. I love Nashville. I love it because it's it's growing. We have a lot of friends here, which I truly value. And it's a young, sprawling city. But I really miss just that feeling of drive 10 minutes, stare off into n- nothingness. A, a thing that's un like un uncontrollable not not really understandable it's the sea you know it's the scary one of the scariest things in on earth if, yes if you ask me um <laughs> me too <laughs> grew up in new jersey though um we jokingly before we started recording off mic about you could ride past your friend's house and go oh nick's bike is out there he must be home <laughs> yeah. like if his bike is like tipped over in front of his parents' house, he must be inside. Yeah. You would deduce because if the bike wasn't there, he might be elsewhere. And so 
you know, Nick literally said to me, like, these kids are never going to understand just running up to their friend's house, knocking on the door in hopes that they're there because they, they're just going to text each other. Where are you? Like, th- that didn't exist in our... Right. Maybe a phone call at that point. You would call the house that you had to try to remember your friend's number or have it written down next to the phone, <laughs> yeah. Nick's, Nick's house. Or he, a phone book. Or a phone book, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, I just... And it's so strange how it was such a common thing to do to be like yo oh ev's at home he's there's yeah there's his bike or you know evan and Lindsay's bikes are laying right there so they're probably hanging out i'll go hang out but now it's like you don't even go to people's doors you know even that was just such a thing we did of just like oh let's just go knock on the door and see if they're home i i think about and i i feel that our generation our our parents sort of clamp down on it a little bit more i think every generation right it's like every decade right your parents sort of knew a little bit more about where you could have been at any given moment because technology caught up and safety became a thing and right you know i have i listened to a podcast where they did a whole episode about mcgruff the crime dog (laughs) which that's such a our generation so like my favorite podcast technically they mostly talk about theme park related things but they're also just they make me feel like less of a weirdo because it's their their slant on the world was so close to how my slant on the world was when we were like 10 let's say yeah um but anyway you think about that and so like that that part of society society changed and they had things like McGruff explaining to kids like don't talk to strangers don't go to up to strange things don't you know and so you start to like pare that all down but at 13, I was riding my bike miles away from home. My parents had no idea. Where, and my I, my goal was just to make it home before it got dark or by a certain time. Yep. But I think now, like, I rode my bike so far away from home, technically on roads where there shouldn't have been 13-year-olds on bikes. Yeah. And I'm sure to this day they still don't know that. They could assume I went somewhere, but, like, I definitely went further than I probably ever should have gone and now and they had no way to find me right the only way that potentially if I didn't turn up like I would have been picked up in a cop car (laughs) and brought home (laughs) yeah had I done something wrong which I never would have or someone's mom would have called them from 10 miles away or whatever right yeah yeah. uh but other than that I was just out and off and no you know I don't I just think of that all the time where it's like kids now like I mean, I'd probably be tracing my kid's cell phone at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah. I Yeah, dude. I, it's, uh, as I think back on it, it's just such a freedom we had as a kid, as yeah. kids. It was that, that come back when the, the, the street lights come on and check in, have dinner, do some homework, go back out. And then, yeah, you just go. And yeah, there were many times that I would just meet up with friends and we'd be riding around town and yeah, there would be no way for my parents to know. I mean, even in a small town, you know, sure. There's not a ton of places I could have been, but there's a ton of places I could have been that they had no idea. I just think it's such a different, my, my parents were the same, but on the flip, they lived in such a small city growing up, um, right across from New York. It's, it's Hoboken is the name of the city. Now it's like the most hip, bajillion dollar place but when they were growing up it was like it was the small city across from new york but if they were out doing something stupid jimmy's grandmother's sister saw them out the window and called 
their parents right. like because they knew their parent you know it was like they couldn't it was almost the same as it is now except it was the grandma system of right. uh, cell phone dial you know telephone down true true like yelling out the window <laughs> yeah. style yeah yeah like you guys are in trouble um so if you talk to my parents just because they grew up where they grew up it was the same as kids now because they could they'd be caught instantly just because sure. so everybody knew everybody it was like that small of a city yeah in an era where kids were just running amok constantly <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I hope for one, I hope for this, this generation of kids right now that they all just get to go back outside and be able to hang out with their friends in general because of the last year of life. But two, I hope that they do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> grew up in New Jersey though. Um, spent literally my whole life there until I graduated from college. I even went to college in New Jersey. I went to Ryder University, which is not far from Princeton, uh, both the city and the university. Um, and there are times where I wished I hadn't. I wished I had been a little bit more exploratory and uh, looked at schools elsewhere. But um, I don't know. Enjoyed that time of my life, too. And that led me to traveling and being on the road and sleeping in a van with a bunch of other <laughs> dudes my age and going on adventures and um i don't know yeah i i guess to jump way way back again so new jersey played sports growing up um was in the boy scouts which i know is polarizing in 2021 i feel like they're a, it's a pretty <laughs> polarizing organization I had a lot of great takeaways from it. I think it helped shape how I handle situations as an adult and think about things and am empathetic towards people. And um, both parents were pretty involved in it. My mom more so at the like younger kid level and Cub Scouting. And then my dad ultimately became the, he was the, the leader of the, the troop. He was the, um, the scoutmaster for years, even years after I was out. Um, so, you know, lucky to have both parents who are active in my life growing up and super supportive and a little heart on me at times to finish things and push through stuff. But I think that's where I get my sort of, uh, not just work ethic, but like buzz about doing things and trying to keep them and make them as perfect as I can. And I love them for, I tell them now, like, I love you guys for my work ethic, but I hate you sometimes too, because I just can't sit still. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, rad family, like we don't have a, a, a super large extensive family. I have a, um, an older half brother and you know, we, we have an interesting relationship and did growing up. And then I have a, um, a cousin, my mom's sister's daughter, who's basically like, my sister we funny enough the three of us so my brother my half brother and i and my cousin we all have the same birthday we were all born wow. on the same day it's it's the funniest thing i always at my cousin's wedding she's a year literally to the day older than me um and i said and then i i stole her thunder by being born on her birthday the year the next year so um <laughs> we are super close she's like a, the sister i didn't have and i think partially because our moms are super close and yeah we're a year apart so we grew up together doing almost everything together and um i sort of needed that because i you know i have an older brother 
and I saw him off and on and, you know, to have an, a, a sister like person in my life, I think was important because it made me see a lot of, uh, things differently. You know, like I have, I have a pretty strong mom who is very smart and wise and opinionated and I love her for that. And I got to see what a strong woman could look like who worked her ass off and, um, you know, uh, early in life and then took some time off when I was young and then went back into corporate America for years. And so it's interesting. So, but then to have, you know, have a, a, another female character in my life, that's my age, that's pushing me to do things. And also is a little bit more of a outlandish character than me and always making fun of me. Cause I was very, uh, cautious as, as I, always have been growing up so she's she's always been the person she's like can you please just take an edible i think you need to take an edible i think that'd be good for you she's like they're legal now you you should just take you it would help i think you're like a little frantic sometimes and i'm like we'll see yeah um (laughs) but yeah and then so college new jersey and ultimately from there i had a super close friend in college whose older sister was in the music industry and got an internship post-college which is like apparently the most illegal thing (laughs) of all time now because you're supposed to be like for credit all accredited lined up by the book thing and I was just coming in saying I finished I'm done I just want to learn what I can learn and off I went I met a band four year strong from Massachusetts while I was interning there. And all my only goal through school was I wanted to finish and ultimately um, maybe open a small business. I, I have a degree in entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. But my first goal was like, I just want to go on the road. I want to travel. I want to get out of here. <laughs> I want to yeah. see other places. Yeah. And I knew that I was not talented enough to be, I never wanted to be the band. I never wanted to be the artist. I just knew from my teenage years, I I had friends that I would follow around that let me carry equipment in and like get to see behind the curtain. And um, I always think about them because without them, they were years older than me. So if I was a freshman in high school, they were like juniors and seniors mm, at that point. Yeah. Like they were driving old kids that they would just drag me along with them. And I'm sure everybody was like, what is this nerdy 15 year old kid doing with y'all? <laughs> and there I was like, I took photos and I built websites and I found a weird way in that wasn't holding a guitar. Mm, yeah. And got to st- start to see like, what are these other, there are people at these like, small like i i loved punk and pop punk growing up and you'd be like there are other people working right now that aren't the artists and what what are who are they and what are they doing and it took a while to figure out what and in college i got a better understanding of that but yeah i just wanted to find a way in yeah and yeah sleeping in a van selling (laughs) merchandise that was my start and uh, my uh you know my my second college my my you know my university of the music industry and touring yeah so that'll do it that'll do it real quick yeah i'm kind of the same i uh i have to give my brother massive credit because i would go he played in a ton of bands and i was the kid that was always more interested in filming 
And so I'd go to his shows and I'd be that annoying person that was like, you can't be up front. I have to be right here (laughs) or wherever I wanted to be. And then we would watch the show after they finished. We would go after what I know now is loadout and we'd go back to the apartment and we'd get food and we'd watch so they could see what their show looked like. And I thought that was cool. Never in a million years did I think it would lead to where I am now. But as I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, that definitely did it. That that sparked an interest enough in me. And then I would set up my brother's drum set or tear it down for him so he could go talk to people. And it was like, now looking back, then I still would never, in those moments, I wouldn't have been like, yeah, I'm going to go on tour with this band or go on tour ever. That was never in my wheelhouse. So it's cool that you had the kind of same experience of, I, I think, and I hate to use the word, but as you were saying that it, it, it sort of desensitizes you a little bit to the fact that people in bands, artists, musicians, solo artists, whatever, whatever we're talking about, they're just people also. Yeah. And I, I understand the true super fan. You need those. They need those to be successful. They need those to get other fans interested yeah i just never there are things i appreciate there are artists i love there are artists that i i probably would lose it internally if i met them at this point of my life yeah but to me they were always just people they were doing cool shit and i loved it but i and that's why i think we've been 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 able to be successful at what we've done because you're able to break it down to its and I think it's ultimately what every fan wants. They want to be able to just have the, a conversation with this person, but they they can't because they can't keep it together to <laughs> right. have a conversation. And we've I feel like we've yeah. probably both seen that firsthand. Oh, yeah. And and to me, it's like yeah, these you know, there have been times where somebody's like, oh my god, you're like, what are you're doing this thing for Mariah Carey? I'm like, yeah, listen, I love Mimi too. She's my favorite, but like I'm just I'm working. You know, right. it was a, a gig today. Like, I'm not even work for her. I'm just here working. Yeah. And the byproduct is I get to see the show, which I normally probably wouldn't have. But yeah, to me, it's just, she's still Mariah Carey. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, the curtain's been peeled back too far Oz style. So I just don't, Yeah. you know. Yeah. And I mean, I think I get that. I get that a lot talking to, fa- to fans. And it's just like, the most what are they like and i'm going think of the people the, the the band the people that were playing in bands in your high school and then they go what do you mean and i'm like well these pe- th- these people that are playing your favorite music had to start in a garage somewhere they had to have a parent or a, a friend or someone buy them something so it started off as just a, a human sitting on a couch writing a song it started off at a human level and now they're superstars. So ego comes into it, sure. But so many people that I work with are just so nerdy. They're just people that have a massive obsession with the guitar or, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to over, over sell them. They're people that yeah. make fucking awesome music. Sure. But like, they're just really down to earth people. Most of them. My, my, the thing that I, my favorite example of that, and I doubt he'll ever listen to this, but if he did for some reason, shout out Phil Bozeman in Whitechapel. He's five foot five, tiny dude. Sounds like a demon on record. And in, <laughs> in 
live shows, but he's a tiny human. And if you came, you know, I think the craziest thought with like talking to metalheads is what's it like back there? What do you guys listen to? What it's like, dude, Phil Bozeman driving the van at midnight by himself up there. Everybody else trying to sleep in the van. Dude's playing city in color and chill thing. We're not listening to death metal at, 12 o'clock at night driving through the middle of Nebraska. We're not. Right. And I think that that for fans probably would be mind boggling to some, not to all, sure. but to some fans would be he, that kid after he comes off stage, he's quiet in a corner. Yeah. Keeps to himself. I, at least in that, in that timeline, I think all of us have grown as adults now, you know, further into adulthood, but He's like very quiet and and off-putting and does his own thing and keeps to himself. And then he's just, it sounds like something you've never heard and it's aggressive and it's wild for an hour. Yeah. And then it's back to just quiet in a corner. And that part always, that interested me more from a human standpoint, like you just said, that that dude and that band, people would always be like, I bet you guys just listen to like Pantera. And it's like, no, these... (laughs) These guys are more diverse than that. They play this, you enjoy this, and you listen to only metal exclusively, but they have to find influence and right. understanding of other genres to like do what they do. And so, yeah, that part was always intriguing to me. It's like kids that love these specific, hyper-specific genres. Dude, your heroes listen to other things. They have right. to. They've, they've had totally. to ex- expand their musical palette. They have to. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I think it's so cool. Like even, you know, going back to, you were talking about jazz earlier and I'm like, you can't listen to metal without seeing the classical influence or, you know, all of these new iterations of what music has become, which is so rad. It all stemmed from the start of jazz and class, like even before jazz classical, it all came from there. So everyone's drawing influence from every other style of music you know i've toured with rap artists and they love punk and metal they're like skate kids but they love rap and they're that's what they that's what they can do that's their musical contribution but they like this one kid i worked with he would play nails before his meet and greets and he was a soundcloud rapper and people like these kids would be walking in and they were terrified because they're like what is this I was like, yeah, there's other music out there. And that's what he likes. He wanted me to play it, you know? And it was just so funny to see, yeah, like, that's not even funny. It's just diversity. You know, you have to have that in music. Like, I love every style of music. When people are like, what's your favorite kind? I'm like, I just love music. I mean, same. I I would say for years, I probably said something to the effect of everything but country. But now I actually, (laughs) I enjoy, I I think there's a place for it. I think there's a timeline of it. I think... I love some current country. I don't love all of it. Um, but especially living in Nashville, you start to appreciate the song. Yeah. The song holds the power in totally. in that genre, the lyrics. W- what are we what what are we what's the picture we're painting? Totally. Cuz most of them are painting a picture, more so than other genres in my mind. Um Yeah, I would say I'm an appreciator of of most and all music at this point. I'm going to ask you about some other stuff that came out of your music musical career sure. your, your music industry career it's the travel aspect mm-hmm. something we both dearly miss not even in the sense of just traveling for work but 
Um, what are some of the, your favorite places you've been? So far, top that I've been. I loved Australia. Only got to go for a very brief moment in time. I'd love to get back there at some point. Such a long plane ride, but um, it's on my bucket list. And then more recently, finally made it to Central and South America and really loved Buenos Aires. Oh, yeah. Cool city. Um, feels Doesn't feel like South America feels like Europe, obviously, for specific reasons that I learned while I was there that a lot of uh, German folks ended up there after World War II mm. and made it v- very European and they fled they technically fled there and were um, able to seek refuge f- for better or worse there in some cases but um, you know it's weird it's it's like a it's a central and South America um, influence city and then there's European influence there as well so it's in 2021 as much as we've unearthed a lot of disparities and things like that for better or worse that's it it feels like you're in a European city but it also is very much South America and it was just very it was cool to me they have a little bit of a coffee culture there which I love like you can find it um and I don't know it was just cool to see the we got to travel and and go into the Recoleta, which is the famous cemetery there, which is where cool. Evita Evita yeah. is like the most yeah, famous yeah. person who is buried there. Um, but you don't see that here. Like we have mausoleum ish things in the states, but we're still such a young country, yeah, compared to everywhere else in the world for the most part that you just don't see it. And it was it was crazy, beautiful, creepy. You know, people still like go down into them to pay respects to their relatives if yeah. it's like their family's site. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I love cemeteries. Do you? I I love them. I go to them all everywhere. I everywhere I go, I try to go to a cemetery. I think it's a beautiful way to find out about the culture and how they respect life. Sure. Which is, I've told that to people before, and they think it's weird, but I'm like. If you respect your dead, that tells you a lot about the respect they have for humans that are alive. Yeah. You know, if it's just kind of thrashed, you know, maybe they didn't take as good a care of people. I mean, in the Baltic states, when I was in Estonia, there were so many that we went to that they were like, "Um, well, there was a shortage uh, and like all the roads were getting all fucked up. So we took gravestones and would just like use them pave, to pave the road to pave the roads wow so it was like and that was out of necessity right e- but economic like, disparity yeah wow you know so it's, it's just an interesting sure look at culture when you yeah. go to that place those places i mean it's the only thing we're truly guaranteed in this life huh we, yeah. we all end up somewhere like that yeah and i mean also on that note it's just like you think of like the one up in madison this big big one that you see going up gallatin and Mm -hmm. you know it's like okay this person it's their final resting place and imagine say it's 1913 on the gravestones when they passed to think of what it looked like in 1913 versus the billboards and the cars speeding past you know it's like such an interesting look at like time stopped for this person right here, mm-hmm. you know, and then everything else kept going, just keeps going. And 
adapting but yeah. that you know that was like a finite part so i think I, I love i love that you brought that up yeah but also i have one question and then i have i'm going back into another question sure. something you brought up um i always like to ask if obviously covid restrictions aside if i had if i gave you a plane ticket to anywhere in the world tokyo i can answer that. you don't have to finish the question <laughs> that's, that's it i i put a funny enough i put a poll up the other day i i I feel like Twitter, obviously, in the last couple of weeks, has been a funny place to watch and exist and uh, live. I bounce in and out of it. When it was the thing, the only real, true, like, uh, immediate social media, I think I was using it just as much as everybody else. And then I've, like, dipped off for less social media in general, but maybe just more. I like I like the Instagram format because I like a visual format. But every every so often I do... Uh, dip back to Twitter and I put a poll up and I just said okay same question you just asked where would you go and I listed Tokyo I should have just said Japan but Tokyo is I want to go there first and then go elsewhere I said Tokyo Disneyland I think I put Dubai on it and then Aruba and top two Tokyo and Aruba which yeah yes I want to go to Tokyo and experience this to me, completely unique culture. And then, yeah, I also would love to just lay on a beach somewhere. But yeah, Tokyo, for for sure, questions, no questions asked. I've been watching uh, videos of Japanese YouTubers who have uh, showcased some of the travel methods over there. Mm. Um, I love that all of the, like there's, I've watched videos of the American dude version of that too, where it's like, <laughs> he's had like Japanese older men look at him and be like, please be quiet. No, shh, you know, cause he's being a tall, loud American. And he's acknowledged that, which I appreciate. I appreciate that, that he, he recognizes that he's a tall, obnoxious, loud American YouTuber. Fine. But the Japanese kids, they just film and then they type in. So they're just quiet. Yeah. And I love that. Cause it, it lets you see what the experience is. And then they, they, I, you know, unless their English is great, they are probably translating somewhere in there too, which is just cool to see. Like they're trying to reach a broad audience to totally. show what is the cheapest version overnight train look like where you can lay down. And it was the craziest thing. It was like, it said, I think the ticket to get from, let's say Tokyo to the end of the line still probably costs something, but to be in that specific cabin. So to be able to lay down, right it was five dollars five american dollars it's amazing plus i think the, the way i understood it is plus the ticket like the uh, train yeah. ticket so it okay. still could cost more i don't know how much more but that same youtuber covered that and then he covered like the nicest cabin like sleeper sleeper cabin with a bed with a you know the but even the open one it was neat and clean and you got a blanket yeah like a duvet style blanket like it was open it looked like you were just like laying in a carpet there it had a little bit of privacy by your head, like a little bit mm. of a wall carved out. So like, at least if you laid down, you weren't laying next to the person. Sure. But like, you know, a little curtain that didn't block out much light. So you're just in an open cabin essentially, but you still had a full place to lay down, which I was like, you're not finding that in America. I'd take that. It wouldn't you know? be clean either. The clean part too. You <laughs> went, everybody takes their shoes off before they, like obviously because it's Japan culturally, but like to get into the, to get onto your area to lay, you have to like take your shoes off still uh, in the yeah. train car. You know, mm. it's just a, yeah. a respect thing. And I was just like, I want to see this culture so bad. I yeah. just, that's, it's at the top of my list. It, it was on my 2020 travel list before the pandemic happened. That was like, my goal was to get there somehow last year. I'd saved up so many points, travel points. Um, 
I don't know, they have an amazing coffee culture, just like their, I want to see their sneakers culture, which I'm not a sneaker head by any means, but I know that it's huge there. Right. Just their like um, hype beast culture, which it's that's not what I'm into at all, but I know that it's just next level there. I just want to see all of it. Yeah. Um, I want to go to Shibuya. I want to go to, um, I want to, obviously I want to go see Mount Fuji. I oh, want to yeah. go by train. You know, I want to do all of it. I want to go spend a couple weeks for sure. So, but yeah, J- Japan definitely at the the top of my list. And that's why I've been trying to, you know, it's nice to watch these travel videos f- to learn, but sure. also just to remind yourself like, okay, this is still happening. And the, those videos that this kid posted are were recent. So like in the pandemic, he was showing this stuff. Oh, so wow. they're still traveling. Like yeah. everybody's just wearing a mask. And I think sure. Japan has sort of crunched down their COVID scenario as well. But anyway, so Japan. Yeah. For sure. I I will say I've asked a lot of people this question now mm-hmm. and I've gotten a lot of beautiful answers. Okay. And a lot of it is Japan. And I fully understand. I fully understand. It's high on my list of places to see. And especially with Lindsay's cousins, they just moved over there mm-hmm. and they get daily photos of just the life and the culture. It just seems yeah, beautiful. They, and they also just from a, you know, for, from the last year standpoint, from what I've read, culturally, they already, the mask scenario, it was part of their culture. Yeah. It's like, okay, grandma doesn't feel well. She's wearing a mask. So she is protecting herself and us. She right. doesn't want to give us what she has, but she also doesn't want to mm-hmm. get worse. Right. So when this whole, you know, when we have a pandemic and we have a virus, I feel like their prime minister just said, okay, everybody's grandma. You're everybody's grandma now. Right. Everybody's sick. Yeah. We're all sick. Right. Where am I? And they just did it. Yeah. And I think they still have a rate, but they crushed it right. because culturally it's not, it's not a political shield. It's not, uh, it's not a thing that didn't exist in their society. Then, oh man, now everybody has to find a mask. Everybody in their society probably just has them at home right. in some capacity. Yeah. Like it's not, to like make your whole family put a mask on. You just went, hey, we saw this on the news. Everybody put their mask on when they go out tomorrow. And then they kept it under control, more under control than elsewhere yeah. in the world. So, Yeah, and it is it is that respect. Mm-hmm. Just like, I don't feel well. I'm going to cover myself. So yeah. I don't spread it. I know I need to keep moving around, but I don't want to give you what I got. And it's, yeah, that respect. To not linger on it too long, but also... I love theme parks. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. I love traveling too far off places and seeing real places, but I also love theme parks and that reality escape. And their Disney parks are touted as the best in the world, Mm, like better than the one, the original to some people. The Tokyo Disneyland, from what I know, it was, it's run by a separate, group so they basically license out all the disney stuff gotcha it's called the oriental land company they're the ones that put up the money to build it um they pay like a royalty back to disney um and they were built that park was built in the 80s and basically the president of that company went through both existing disney parks so disneyland and then disney world that whatever was built at the time and just said i want this i want this we don't want that i want this ride and so the disneyland there is like the greatest hodgepodge of everything that existed uh, okay. to that point. And then they built a second park in, I think the early 2000s called uh, Disney Sea. And it is one of the, if you ask anybody, it's the greatest Disney park in the world. All Just right. from a, 
a visual, a thematic. It has some of the more unique rides. And when you talk to people that this is their like livelihood or they've truly studied these things, they're the cleanest parks in the world. Sure. And everything is kept up and running like clockwork. The rides, like down to the maintenance level and the like, you know, um, people have explained like there's a ride that exists in Disneyland in California. It's a Roger Rabbit themed ride. And it it's just it's gotten rough over the years in terms of like the upkeep and the 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 person that was explaining this said like they went on the one in tokyo and they were like it's like it's like 1993 so (laughs) it looks like it like it hasn't aged a day because it just at the level of care and that's not to take away anything and how hard the people work in any of the other disney parks especially in the states because they're the usually the the ones pushing the envelope and, and of technology and change and whatever. But yeah, Tokyo, just like it took in Tokyo and then in Japan, just their level of like maintaining things and yeah, their care for most things, at least public facing things is, is crazy. So yeah, I, that's, it's on my list. I want to see that park. Everybody that I know that's gone says it's like the greatest and yeah, crazy. So awesome. Um, you've touched on it twice now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going in on it. Because I knew this about you somewhat, but I've never actually talked to you about it. Coffee. Yes. Tell me about it. It's been a <laughs> learning process, uh, something that I've found solace in, quiet in. I think young me, like everyone else, when you got a chance to press that button at a uh an event or a party and it was like hey, let me get that cappuccino and it was just basically like a sugar drink that was my first memories of co- you know, air quotes coffee as a kid just it it was a dessert drink let's be real um but that's what i remember and i, I couldn't wait and then in new jersey we have a um a chain called wawa which is pretty notorious in touring circles for for those people who didn't grow up in New Jersey or the Northeast or like the greater New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area. Um, It's expanded further out now. You can find them in other, but it's basically, it's a a quick stop store and now gas station. Um, And they have always, and at least in more modern times, have a a full service, uh, like quick service meal platform where you can just order a sandwich or order food at any time so like from a touring perspective yeah when you're somewhere at two in the morning and everybody's hungry you can just oh there's always a counter like there's always like a working essentially deli or you know hot food counter and you know it's quick service fast food but anyway they also have a crazy coffee bar selection literally like 20 different flavored coffees every creamer imaginable so like young me like that was it i would just like pour off a coffee, French vanilla, French vanilla. Like I would get a French vanilla air quotes, roast coffee and then dump (laughs) French vanilla creamer in it. And so that was it that, you know, like that's what, you know, especially growing up in New Jersey, everything's quick. You're like, I got to go somewhere. I'm getting up in the morning, but then I'm getting on the parkway to drive to my job. So like, I need to run into this place, mix this stuff together and run out the door. And I was just, coffee was like, it, it, that was a, it was dessert. I was drinking dessert. And yeah. um, fast forward to touring, the coming into touring in 2007, I was drinking mostly tea at that point, iced tea and just hot tea. And uh, without getting way 
TMI, there were just times where I would start tour and I'd be so stressed out that I wouldn't be able to go to the bathroom. Mm. And people were like, just drink some coffee, man. And I was always like, what? Yeah. And they're like, you got to drink black coffee, though. Like, you have to, like, if what you're saying to us, you know, and obviously I was really just dehydrated and not drinking enough water. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing what I know now and more understanding us as humans biologically, I needed to drink more water or fluids, hydrating fluids. But so I started drinking coffee. And then, you know, then it's you're traveling. So it's always Starbucks, et cetera. And I think I fell into that phase where that, it's a good segue, but finding the process of coffee and our generation's version of it um, is probably the last six-ish years of my life where, like everything else in this general millennial uh, scenario generation, craft cocktails, craft beer, which is yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, coffee has fallen into that as well. And it's just, it, the hope for me, like the rest of the things in our generation is it's a lot at times, but somebody's looked at it differently, like treating it more delicately. It's coming from a far off place. It's from a certain crop. We got this from a family that has, they, they literally tore and tilled up their land because they live in the perfect climate for coffee. Now they're growing coffee. So we want to treat it with reverence. We're not just going to throw all these coffee beans from all over the world in one bag and roast it right. until it's basically tar. We want to treat this with reverence. And I appreciate that part. Again, I think it's taken a little too far at times, but I have friends that do that for a living now, and I appreciate their attention to detail. So the idea being... If it's roasted a certain way, if it's from a certain region of the world, and you brew it as properly as you can, the coffee doesn't just taste like coffee. It can taste like other things. And so exploring that has been it's been cool. It's annoying. I got really deep, deep, deep into it for a while. Too far. And then you sort of scale it back like anything else when you go way left field on things and you, you learn about it and then you find your practices. But for me, similar to where we started this conversation with sitting quietly, putting a record on, taking taking some time to slow down, that's my coffee process because mm. I make pour over coffees f pretty much every day for the most part unless I don't have time. Um and that you have to slow down either cuz you're going to not make a good cup of coffee, or you're going to ruin the the things which is usually glass or ceramic so if you like don't take a minute to slow down it, it you just end up with a bad coffee or a broken equipment and that that part is what i enjoy it's like a it's a little bit of my morning meditation because i have to you have to take five minutes there's a five minute window of you, you have to you know start boiling water grind the coffee, measure it and measure it to a certain weight and grind it, you know, clean out the device you're using, put the coffee grounds in, pour to a certain weight and then you start a timer. So that there's a whole, like, it's a sort of a meditative process for me that it was funny. My mom, when I started to get into coffee, my mom was like, I don't, I don't get it. Turn the pot on, put the grinds in <laughs> right. 20 minutes later, there's, there's coffee. And then I had, gotten into it and then my parents were visiting and my mom watched me she watched me earlier do it and then like let's say six months to a year later and she just was like oh yeah i get it like this is your thing and you can do this like now you're just having a conversation with, like you're not thinking you're just doing because you've done this so many yeah. times now 
and it's like the idea of the the once you master something if you can teach it to someone else you truly learned it right and that's right. why my mom was saying like you're to that point i can i can just tell you're to that point i'm like yeah it just i don't think i've perfected it like the barista champion of the world has i just don't like i have a we have a dear friend brian marquis who he and i are the that's what we talk about most coffee and then we talk about wristwatches because that's another hobby of mine. And that's a terrible hobby. Don't, anybody <laughs> listening, don't get into that. It's not worth it. It's like trying to, like getting into skiing. You're just, there's not enough money in the world. Um, <laughs> but we talk about coffee and how we both feel like we can never, he has better equipment than I have now. And I had probably top of the line stuff for a while and he just got really fantastic equipment. He's like, it still doesn't taste as good as if someone makes it at a coffee shop from him. Like, yeah, I think we're just missing, we're missing something. You sure. Know? Yeah. Or is it the, the idea that when you go out for a meal, it's just cause somebody else prepared it. It just tastes better, yeah. you know? And so we're, we're both in the pursuit of that perfect cup of coffee. And there's some days where you feel pretty good about it. And there's days where you don't, I don't know. It's just, it's become a hobby. I, I I had a little side business for a while here in Nashville doing small events for people just because I enjoyed that, like bringing yeah. coffee to people. Um, I also make cold brew, which it's the e- one of the easiest. Pro- I've had so many friends hit me up about this. I'm like, yep, you just got to grind it right and you literally leave it on your counter. It's not and time it. That's it. Yeah. You know, and um, I you wonder why it costs five dollars for a cup of it out, and I still wonder because it's not. It's probably the least processed type you know there's 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 work that goes into it don't get me wrong but um yeah and so then this has become a a a passion and a hobby and um meditative thing for me yeah so yeah i think that overall i just think it's a really cool pursuit i'm not a coffee person anyway i love tea but like I truly, I can't appreciate what all goes into coffee. And I think it's so cool. A couple of takeaways from that is just like that meditative space that you get to, that you get to make that coffee mm-hmm. and the time you, you put into it. You know, I think that's so, I think that's so cool. And then also what it gives you in, like you brought it up when you said Buenos Aires, you go there and then you see their coffee culture. And that's such a cool part of traveling is seeing cultures and then to have a connection to i love coffee i love i'm in pursuit of that perfect cup of coffee then you're like well shit what do they do in buenos aires right and then you get to connect with that culture and then you get to learn and i just think in life that is just such a beautiful way to experience life like find the shit that you love and love it enjoy it when you go somewhere else find out there's there's people everywhere that are going to love that connect with those people and you get to learn from them and see how they prepare it and everything and i i I just love that i think that's such a beautiful part it's that's for me go back to travel that's that's usually what you just said is my goal every wherever i end up it's it's finding that place in the world but you know in the states it's you start to have your favorites and i i love that probably one of the best coffee roasters in our country is in Arkansas. A state that no one, you, you, you know, Seattle has its culture still. It's, it's grown back to still being closer to the top, but one of the best in the country, Onyx coffee lab. It is, and it's in Arkansas. Amazing. It's a place you would never, it's not even in little rock. It's out like it's in, in a smaller city in Arkansas. That's so cool. So yeah, that, those are my favorite. And then, when we were in South America, um, 
we went to a lab coffee and then we went to a coffee lab, two different places, two different countries. And um, the, the coffee lab, the, the folks that are preparing, you have to sit. You can't just order like, oh, let me get a coffee. No. And I love and hate that, but I was coming for the experience that sure. day. Um, so you have to be seated. And all of the people, you literally walk through, it, it's a house. The place is still a house. You walk through the kitchen where they're, ma- they're making the coffee in the kitchen of the house that existed. That's They've so cool. modified it sure. to, to, you know, to make sense commercially, but it's still the kitchen. And we ended up sitting in the front, like it was like a front sort of solarium room of this place. It was very, it was hot too. It was a mistake, <laughs> but yeah. And all the people there wear jumpsuits. That's their uniform, like wow. Slipknot style like just blue jumpsuits (laughs) that was their their thing and you pick a coffee off the list and it's all from nearby because you're in that region of the world already so it's not like you're getting coffee from who knows where or the other side of the world it's coming from you know um that part of the world i think coffee lab was brazil so of course like they're one of the coffee cultures of the world but dude comes over puts a cup down puts a uh, a, a brewer i think it was a, a v60 at that point down doesn't like the the like nonsense you know um too deep into coffee thing is you have to have like a gooseneck kettle it's very slow process dude just came over with like a pitcher of water and just whoosh, right down stirred it with a spoon and walked away and i was like where is this in America? They took all the pretense out of this. It's not pretentious. It's 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 elevated. It's an elevated version of coffee. Still, it's delicate. It's localized. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, I just it blew my mind. He just poured like you know there was a method, but it wasn't as as bastardized and like you know broken down. And I love that, but it also annoys me sometimes sure. too. Um. Yeah, but yeah, so my that's my my when I'm on the road traveling, that's my pursuit. A good cup of coffee if I can't make one for myself. Um Yeah, I I don't know. I I'm very bummed that we're not able to travel as much right now. Yeah. Or feel not feel safe too. I yeah. think that's the scarier part. Totally. So the hope is that eventually when the world starts spinning right again even if we're masked but safer that's fine i just i i i don't know go going we talked a little bit about this the other day it's i hope that the world starts to think about others more in this and i this would slow down faster um it just seems like people are over it and yeah. want to just go back to their lives before we're really ready to. And, right. And, you know, obviously we can't control people. The government can't control people, especially here in America. Americans will be Americans. Take take us or leave us. And I just wish folks were looking at it with a little bit more empathy. That's it. Yeah. You know, I'd like Same. to get, get back to traveling the world again. Yes. <laughs> I would too, brother. Um, but, yeah, going going back to uh this concept we we were talking a little off mic like the concept of current media yeah and i in my adult life so far have started to collect vinyl records same and i don't have a crazy collection i think there's a point where it's too much like anything these days where there's just too much of something but uh, my 2021 goals now are at least once a week. I've years, I have a journal, I have journals, plural, 
where I've been good at it some years and I'm like, I'm going to write in this every day. And that's just not, it's not, tough. It's not realistic. And yeah. I, so last weekend I sort of set the goal as I'd like to try to do it once a week. So 52 journal entries in a year seems a little bit more achievable. Totally. And it was a thing where I was like, I'm going to put a record on particularly jazz later at night that's that's sort of a vibe to me and that's that's where a large part of my collecting stems from you can go get a new record anywhere now order it online but if i'm going to a record shop that's what i'm looking for something that you can't find anymore because it just doesn't exist it was in someone's record collection they might have bought it in 1965 and then they sold it because records went out of style or they passed away or wh whatever. So there's history. And I was, last week I put on some jazz, Coltrane specifically. I don't have a, a big Coltrane collection, but there's one record that I've always enjoyed. And the craziest part to me is the, 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 the distance between physically holding it Yes. Turning pieces of equipment on that make noise, they make little clicks and as the as the, the electronics or the amplifiers or things are coming on, right? You hear the speaker start and then you have to physically take something out of something else and place it on and put, you know, like things together to make the sound, right? It's a thing that anybody in this generation that comes after us now, they may never experience it. Yeah. Because their parents, who are at the top of our age bracket, probably don't necessarily have vinyl. It's sort of only come in vogue again in certain sectors of our age group, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Collectors and certain music styles and just like, I'll just say, air quotes, hip people, you know? But like not everybody <laughs> totally. collects collected that. It like went out of, like our parents were like, good riddance. This was like, to them, it was like the worst format of music because other things came and it sounded better or it was easier or whatever. And then it sort of took this full circle moment to come back and people realizing the history of it and the importance of it and that things, as much as most of it's been been digitized, I don't know. Anyway, to, to go back to my original thought, it's just like, I go like, I wonder if my nephews will ever, I mean, their parents are cool. They have some vinyl, but like that experience of like taking a deep breath and being delicate and then sitting in a quiet room with calm music playing and it's not perfect right. and the people playing it didn't play it perfect they played it as perfect as they could for the time at their ability which for me jazz those guys were the top like you know a coltrane and i love um sunny stitt and um oh my god bird charlie parker like those dudes were the the pinnacle of that era of jazz but they're human. They still, the, the idea of jazz is you're still, it's all feel. Totally. There yeah. really isn't a perfect, there's no quantized, auto tuned moment where the, you press a thing and it's exactly the per, it's not. It was all just, it, it, there's, I don't know. Yeah. After I was listening, I watched a whole uh, Vox video, which that channel online does a great um, job at breaking down music, all types of music. Like I've watched them on triplet trap hip-hop where they like <laughs> break it down to a musical level not just you, you think it has no musicality or or whatever but i've watched videos where they break down the like that flow has there's still a metric in it and a, um 
apparently, I hope I have this right. I'm going to hope I'm quoting or having this right. But triplet trap hip hop has the same metric metering as dun 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 dun. No dun 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 dun. It's the same. Like the from a musical standpoint, as you would look at it on a music staff, that's the there's like there's some weird crossover there, which I thought was the coolest thing. That's super. But anyway, cool, yeah. Vox also broke down um, Giant Steps by Coltrane, which is supposed to be that's like if you're gonna be a young person and say I want to play jazz, like that's your swan song. Like if you can get through that, playing any of the like the piano parts the sax parts like any like anything because he supposedly wrote that where it, it just doesn't follow a traditional anything yeah like it's moving between notes that it shouldn't but it just makes sense because it makes sense and i don't know it was just that's where i let i had quiet i journaled and i was just journaling about the experience of sitting and the moving through of you had to there was a process to playing music and you had to you have to think about it when you play vinyl because then it the side one side of the record ends so you have to physically get back up yeah and flip it and it it takes multiple pieces of equipment versus i've watched things on the internet now where you know the, uh, it's like rh people talking to kids 7 year old kids and they're like wait you don't just hit a button and it plays and it, it's there's noise and it, right. they were like no you used to have head have to have headphones or speakers or the device still had to have something else plug and kid, it just kind of blows kids minds because now they pull out their phone and it plays like name a song in the world in the universe yeah. and it it plays so i don't know that's been part of my year of like just remembering to even just an hour to slow to sort of slow down and that's a good reminder of how how to so i've been trying to journal i've made it two weeks in a row now successfully <laughs> and try to try to keep moving that forward even if it's just journaling if i'm somewhere else that i can't necessarily play final um, yeah but it's just been to me that's been an interesting focus of where we're going with media because now we're sort of constantly barraged by it and it's interesting to me and i love it but also I don't know. I just. <laughs> yeah, man. I, as you were talking about vinyl, I was like, it was so interesting to me when I first learned that to change a track, you had to pick up the needle and go to the next big marking. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking about it as you're talking too. I was like, oh, well then shit, it's really easy to just hit skip on a CD player, which that was the next, right. the next step towards it and then yeah just that that sitting down and like putting it in and hitting play and I, I think that's a beautiful way to journal too is like putting a vinyl on I used to do that when I started my sobriety journey man I, I I had a vinyl in the basement room that I was staying in at my parents and I would just listen to my record collection and I had I think I still have like 200 and I was like okay if I'm gonna have these I have to listen to them and if I don't like it then I'll donate it or I'll give it to a friend and pass it along. But I would, I just went straight through my vinyl collection and I would play it and I would write and it was so beautiful. But yeah, it is like the bombarding of media is, is something that, or the availability of, of all these new apps and everything is, you're just constantly, you can be any 
looking at anything, your phone, like you said, your phones, you can pick up your phone and you can connect to anywhere in the world at any second, you know? And I remember the sound of AOL the first time I had to connect to the internet and then we had to do it. And then it was just the waiting game. And kids these days have no idea what that, what I'm even talking about right now. Yeah. There was just a disconnect. There's so much, so many things to distract us as adults who, who have seen different, the, the, the shift in computers becoming smaller, pocket-sized, connected at all times. And, you know, we grew up with it, so we are able to adapt, but they just have never known anything but it right. at this point. It still blows my mind that I, I've watched some of these, the Kids React series. I don't know if you've ever seen any of that on YouTube, where it's, it's guys our age that give kids, like, pieces of old technology and just go, like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they go like, oh, this this kid, you know, they flash their age. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're 13 or 15. And I'm like, oh, my God, they were born after the year 2000. Though. That means they were born. At, like right now, if you are not 21 years old, you were born after the year. You know, if you're not o- older than 22, you were born in the year 2000 or later, which blows my mind. Yeah. Which means they never saw the struggle of Napster and down <laughs> legally downloading MP3s and yeah. then having to put them somewhere, right. which was usually a CD ripper reader yep. writer. Yeah. The most illegal time. The, the, we were all pirates. Like, I don't think there's going to be another generation where like 13-year-old kids can say that they're pirates, majority of them. Yeah, and they were asking their parents for a computer so they could pirate things. Like that's yeah. what we were. Sorry, sorry, millennials and beyond, you're a pirate. Did you download a Blink One Eighty Two MP3 and put it on a <laughs> CD-ROM? You're a pirate. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and I, it just made me think. There were so many times I would search for a song and I would scroll, 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 find it because I was trying to make a full CD. Yep, and I would download it and I didn't check it. And it was either terrible or not the song. Yep. Yes, it was mm-hmm. a different song, mm-hmm. and I'd play through the album, and mm-hmm. it was going just fine until that one mm-hmm. song. And then I was like, fuck, man. Well, back to LimeWire or Napster and re-download it and then re-burn a CD. I just watched a, a really great short three-parter, but it was they were like 15-minute breakdowns of that era. It was the... It was basically the the, con- the concept of this little series was like the advent of the MP3, right? They talked to the scientist that invented it. Like it starts, oh, wow. it starts there because that was in the 80s and it works its way all the way up to right now where like open your phone, name a song, listen to it, right? And that middle ground of that era, the, two, the year 2000, Sean Parker um, and Sean Fanning, those those dudes, Napster, those two guys. Um, there's a line in the social network uh, that Justin Timberlake delivers where he's like, I changed the music industry. And um, what's his face, his character? Ed- the, the, oh my God, what's the dude? Uh, Andrew Garfield's character who played Eduardo Saverin, who was the, co- the co-founder of Facebook, says like, no, you didn't, they won. And he's like, tower records doesn't exist you know you like there's just and you're like oh my like you're like okay cool you know like i get the fact that um that movie was written after the fact so they could write it It was written post sure whatever but you're like holy shit no that's like the truest line of all time um they did 
it it brought down tycoons of the industry. Yeah. And they couldn't catch up because they laughed. And in this series, uh, the woman that was the president of the RIAA, which is the recording institute of whatever of America, they're the ones that certify, like when you sell a million records, they certify that. So like if you've ever seen or been around the music industry and seen people with platinum plaques on their walls, they come from the, wait, Nick's pointing. Oh yeah, Lindsay has one. Lindsay's got one for... So the recording industry, that's that's a Canadian one, but that's I think Canadian it, but one, they still yeah. there I think they still technically certify it somehow. Anyway, the rec- there's these bodies that certify records sold. They keep track of all those things, they keep in touch with publishers, et cetera, right? They laughed a little bit at the idea, this whole Napster thing at first. And supposedly what we know of as Spotify now, right? Spotify, Apple Music. Even, um, you know, Google has their own, Amazon has their own. Like, they were calling it the, like, dorky, um, you know, boomer version of it. They were calling it the celestial jukebox. That was the mm. term. And It's a cool term. It's And it's a true term. You know, yeah. in theory, it's like, it never, it, it, name a song, right? Right. But so the woman that was the CEO of, uh, or president of RIAA of, at the time, let's call that the year 2000 I, I i can't remember exactly uh napster was running fully running and they were keeping tabs on it she brought all the heads of they had their normal like big board meeting every head of every label was there in a giant boardroom she had them wheel in a computer with speakers and and she would just say like hey sony what's your number one hit on the radio right now and she was like and i typed it in and hit search and i played it and then i said Columbia, what's your number one hit? And same thing. And she did this over and then and then she said, "All right, now let's go deeper. Name an artist, a legacy artist. Oh, Madonna. Here's Madonna's entire collection." And she went like piece by piece, showing them that th- this exists on. And then and then she said, and then the thing that really like they they still were all sort of whatever. Then I said, name name a song that's not out yet. Name an unreleased artist's track. And she's like, and here, and there were a bunch of those too. And she's like, and that was when, like, that was when they started going after people. You know, like uh, they, okay. they thought they were untouchable, that this was a joke, that it was two kids in their college dorm room. And then once they realized it wasn't that, that same, that same woman that was the president ultimately quit though when they started going after people she's like we can go after organizations we can try to take down these sites we can take down these share platforms she's like i didn't like the fact that they were going to start going after like kevin's grandma she's like it it, it was too that was too far for her and i I don't disagree like what did they really they got a two thousand dollar check from kevin's grandma. like what did that really do in the grand scheme and then ultimately this dude in Sweden, Switzerland. Where's the guy from Spotify from? Uh, Ultimately, yeah, I think Sweden. Five years down the line, that dude just you, made you guys obsolete anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's like spitting in the wind at that point, if you ask me. But anyway, I, I digress. But yeah, media, just just media. There it is. In in a twenty year span, we went from the industry at its height. CD sales were insane charge you $17 a CD and now you pay $10 or less a month pick a song any song any yeah. song and so the value of everything else when you're an artist goes up so our livelihood you know I I also up until this year toured to make my living that that's what artists had turned to like that was the that became the focus of 
where to make money and grow an audience and grow traction. And so it's weird I, not to bring it and make it morbid now, but to bring it down to like, yeah, and that platform is now. So like, where are musicians making money right now? Where, yeah. where are they or where will they make money in the future even? Because you figure the hope is it's going to pick back up. We'll get to travel again, period. Cause I know Nick is an avid traveler as yeah. well. I think that's what I miss the most at this point. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so media, it's crazy to think like it had a high value at a point. Your goal was to be able to produce media and put it out and it be purchased and consumed by fans or picked up by radio. Right. And now name a song, listen to it whenever you want in your pocket. And it's, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> mind boggling. It is. When you think about this like what I can do if I just sit here and I grab my phone as I'm talking to you, you could say a song and I'll play it. I'll find it very simply in no time at all to think like what it was when we were kids of like going to the store, finding a CD, even finding that song was something kind of incredible. I was like, Oh, I like this song. How do I know what this song is? Where did I hear this song? Right. I heard it walking through a JC Penny in the mall and yeah. I heard the song and then I heard it again and then I figured out who it was and I had to ask somebody who it was or right. whatever it was. Like how you found music back in the day was yeah, pretty that, nuts in itself. The crazy part is now you just tell your phone like, what is this playing? And it tells you what it is and you're like, ah, technology. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I have, I have two questions for you. Shoot. Um, we'll start with the first one and it's, what would you want the world to know about you? Ooh, that's a that's a fantastic question. I would want the world to know about me that I am. I like to notice the little things. I try my hardest in life, and I have a terrible memory for names. But I might remember what you coffee you drank, and the next time I see you, maybe I show up with it, and that is my. That's helped me in my career, and I've tried to explain that to people, that doing what we do for a living, it's understanding other people. Like, you're touring, and there's an artist, and there's a lot at stake, but somebody comes into the room, and they go, hey, uh, what is Scott usually blah, 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 and you just know the answer, you know, because you listened and paid attention to details. I always hope that would help me in my romantic life, and I think it maybe has finally at this point. But yeah, just <laughs> I, I, the details, you know, that, that I pay attention to details and that I have a good heart at the end. I might be a little more cynical than I ever have been at this point in my <laughs> life. But at the core, I, I like little details and things and that I have a, a good heart in moving forward in the world. Yeah. I mean, in in the small time of my life that I've known you, I, I feel all of those things. And I I say it all the time of why I love doing this, but it's just cool. Like I've grown to know you over the last year yeah. and a half now, and it's been super cool. But now to have a pointed conversation of, of let's get to some depth. I mean, we had a conversation, which... It's crazy that it's already been a week, yeah. a week ago. And, you know, I just, I really enjoy it. So I've, I've really enjoyed that. And I, I, I will second what 
Evan just said about himself. Well, I appreciate that, Sam. I know <laughs> I get a little heated sometimes. That's the New Jersey in me. But yeah, that's all right. You know, at the core, I I just want the world to be a better place. So. Yeah. So it comes from it comes from a good heart. Yeah. Um. All right. And then, if you had the ear of everybody in the world, mm. what would you say to them? Currently, I would say, think about your neighbors more. Your your other family, your grandma, you know, and just listen to the people around you for now, wear a mask and, and like, let's, let's be done with this and get back to like, let's go six months about thinking about other people and be done with this virus or have squished it down or have gotten it to a point where it's control controllable and containable. And we can all go back to concerts and seeing movies in movie theaters and, um, you know, traveling without fear i don't know yeah I guess, that's it right now i just I, w- I want people to be more empathetic to others and think about others and yeah for now that specifically is what would be my goal but yeah in general just be more i would love the world to be more empathetic think think about put yourself in someone else's shoes for a minute a day yeah you know and think about that and we're not all perfect i b- b- happily tell you i'm not and i have days where I don't want to do that, but I think if we all could do that more, the world would be a better place. Yeah, and I mean, none of us will ever be perfect, but we can all think about others. And when you look at someone, actually give a shit what what's going on with that person. Yeah. You know, I think just in general, even past COVID, that's that's something that, has to happen in this world sure yeah that's what i'm saying it's just yeah we got we have to get to a point of like generally giving a shit about people yeah well dude this has been so awesome yeah seriously i'm glad we 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 rescheduled a few (laughs) times i'm glad to finally nail it down and yeah Dude, I'm I'm excited for the pod. I'm so glad you just went head first. You have two. You have two podcasts yeah. going at once right now. I've been <laughs> thoroughly impressed with that. So yeah, I'm happy to be a, be a part of it. Finally. Yeah, man, me too. So yeah, dude. And it's funny we'll be socially distanced, hanging in a couple hours. Yeah, at a fire. Yeah, yeah. By the way, we are <laughs> in the same room, but we are far apart on separate mi- microphones. Yes, I feel like we have we have to tell everybody we're di- this. We're in, distanced in 2020. Um, <laughs> we're taking care of each other. We are. We are looking at each other. Yes, but yes, this is only my third time doing an actual. Well, second because two of them were Lindsay, but it's fair. But it's good <laughs> practice. Yeah, it's. I miss it. It's why I've. I've stalled on my own and yeah, I have, I don't know if I'll go back because I, I think the, the zoom interview has just become a standard now. And I love that because it's, I think it's connected more people this totally. year. We've, we've gotten some more conversations we wouldn't have had, had people's lives not slowed down. Yeah. But yeah. So I commend you for that too, for doing it on that end. Cause that's a little bit more difficult for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome dude. Thanks again, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Beautifully Human podcast. To hear more beautiful stories from beautiful humans, follow us on Spotify and rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Wanderlust Moon Duo. Peace signs up. <laughs>